0: Today's episode of Atlanta Zone is brought to you by AllSportsLeaguedraft.com that's ASLDraft.com. draft.com. So what exactly is AllSportsLeague.com you ask? Well, I'll tell you. It's a fantasy league where you pick teams instead of players to each in 8 different sports in a snake draft. So that you got your baseball, your football, your basketball, your NASCAR, um you name it, <laughs> all the sports, it's there. Hockey too. Hence the name. And uh, this is an actual ad that we have going right now. And it's, yeah, this is not a fake
1: ad like in the old days.
0: Yeah. Um, so if you use the promo code Atlanta's Own in all caps, no space, no space,
1: that'll save you ten dollars on a fifty dollar league. So, so yeah, guys, that once again is ASLDraft.com. It's a new site that just launched, I think, last week. And uh seems like a really cool concept. We're actually uh, signing up ourselves just to see what the heck it's all about and should be a, a good take on, you know, kind of DraftKings fan duel but with a with a twist by using teams instead. So uh, head on over to ASLDraft.com, use the promo code Atlanta's own and save ten dollars on a fifty dollar league. What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we are Atlanta's own. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? I you're ready to get after it today, huh? huh? Oh, yeah, man. It's been like two weeks, I've been chomping at the bit. Yeah, um, I'm like, do- like a rabbit horse. Yeah, you've been just rehearsing that over and over in your head. I've only done it like 96 times at this point. Yeah. Well, a lot more than that. Hell have a lot more. <laughs> yeah. You only heard it 96 times but I've right. done it hundreds and hundreds of times. Uh, I'm doing well, Graham. I got really into disc
0: golf this past week. Yeah. Uh, I would highly recommend it. We've, we played in two very different parks, both for free. Mm. Ro- a park up in Roswell, and then a park in Southwest Atlanta. So as you can imagine, they, they were a little different. Uh, sure. Both had their perks. Uh, but that was a good time, and then also a, a little p- public service announcement. Um, I've got a seventy-nine pound basset hound that I'm trying to get adopted. Fostering it, and he's a good dog. He's just a lot of dog, a
1: lot of hair, a lot of slobber, and very needy. You're really selling him well. He's like <laughs> a uh, he's like a komodo dragon cross with a basset hound. He's a very interesting creature. His name is uh. Wagner, I mean, excuse me, Wrigley. It's uh, it's actually Wrigley. I want to call him Wagner all the time for
0: some reason. AKA Big Rig. Uh, so if anyone out there loves basset hounds,
1: I got one for you. Yeah, reach out to us on Facebook or the Twitter, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you about selling you at Beast.
0: Yeah,
1: but, selling a lot of things today, Adam. We're selling this yeah. uh, ASLDraft.com. We're selling basset hounds. What's next? What else can we sell? We can just completely sell out.
0: Sure. I've already sold Arctic coolers. I know for a fact. My ad sold at least one Arctic cooler. I think to your mom, actually. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> So yeah, she thought that was a real ad, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's
1: just part of the game, Graham. But let, let's, for the love of God, talk about some Atlanta sports. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, let's talk about this first place, Atlanta Braves, Adam. We are 46-33, first in the National League East. We have not lost a series since the uh, early June series against the Pirates that concluded on June 7th. So that includes... A National League East dominant run of beating the Marlins, the Phillies, the Mets, and the Nationals. Uh, so really setting ourselves up to uh, have great success in the National League East. We're currently up five and a half games on Philadelphia. Uh, they're in mired in a little bit of a slump. They broke a seven-game losing streak last night. And uh, But overall, the Braves have just been hitting the shit out of the ball. And you got to be impressed with what the offense is bringing to the table uh, for this
0: team. Yeah, I mean and we've got that same magic that we had last year where this this team's truly never out of it. Like even we lost to the Cubs last night, but when we were down seven nothing, I mean I, I didn't consider stopping uh I didn't consider stop watching at mm-hmm. that point, you know. And right. sure enough we Barcakis drives in two, Dansby hits a bomb, but we we didn't come back in that one, but they've done it time and time again and they just show you can never count them out. Yeah, it's
1: pretty impressive. Uh, fifth and average, fifth and on base percentage, fourth and slugging, um, fourth and uh, on base percentage plus slugging. I mean, this team is just absurd, and they're also just hitting a ton of home runs. We're getting major contributions from Josh Donaldson. Has woken up, the beast is here. Mm, yep. he's hitting like a cleanup hitter. I think he's got seven home runs over the last like two and a half, or like last like two weeks or something like that. Yep. Really came, came to life in that Philly series. Thank you, Liberty Media. Yeah, for showing up the $23 million. Yes. Don't yeah. forget about that piece. Right. And uh, he, he's just been outstanding. He's got 16 home runs now. He's looking like an absolute stud. He's he's figured out. I read a, a hell of an article uh, about a week ago or so from David Bryan on The Athletic, and he was talking about how Donaldson, he was struggling hitting off-speed pitches, hitting under 200 against off-speed pitches. And he literally got a uh, pitching machine, put it on the mound, and just set it to curveball and off-speed Pitches change ups, and things like that. And now ever since then, he's just hitting the bejesus out of anything that comes his way that remotely resembles an off-speed pitch or a fastball. I mean, that home run he hit uh, against the Nationals on Sunday, dead center field, it was like, that dude is locked in. I mean, that was a no-doubter the moment it it touched his bat. The thing was was already out of the park.
0: Yeah, and having him in the four-hole hitting like that has just done wonders for our boy Freddie Freeman. Yeah. Yeah. He's never had protection like this before with Dansby hitting in front of him and then uh, Donaldson behind him, not to mention Acuna and Marca- He's always had just like Marquecas behind him and whoever we can plug into the two-hole that's
1: probably striking out a ton. Right, especially recently. I mean, like there was that year, the 2013 season with Justin Upton, where that was pretty formidable. But ever since then, Freddie has been very, even with Matt Kemp, it was like, okay, it's Matt Kemp. You know, who gives a shit? This is not 2010 where Matt Kent was a beast. Yeah. Now,
0: really, the only Braves lineup and I guess this is somewhat recent history, that it even compares to is those 2003
1: Braves. Yeah, we had Giles, Andrew, Chipper, Sheffield, Javi Lopez in a probably steroided up uh, season where he just was had like 40 bombs or something like that. Vinny Castilla. Vinny Castilla. Yeah. Um, God, that team should have done something. Yeah, but
0: st- I mean, statistically, that's the only thing that's that's lining up to right now. I mean, this is just so much balance right now. It's a different guy every night. Yeah. Um, the power's fun. They're still aggressive on the bases.
1: Uh, it's, it's just been a blast to watch. Yeah, I mean, I think we're in the midst of seeing a career year from Freddie Freeman. I think this is the best season he's ever had so far. He's on pace for, I think, 46 home runs. Um, currently, you know, over the last month, He's hitting 314, 395, 648, and over 1,000 on base plus slugging, eight homers. Already has 21 home runs. I mean, he didn't get to 21 home runs, I don't think, until August last year. And I think this is a combination of one, the protection, and two, that wrist is finally healthy. That wrist he broke a couple years ago, I think, is fully, fully formed. It's back, and he's in the prime of his career. And this is the best season Freddie Freeman's ever had so far. And I, I expect him to have a landmark season. I don't think he's going to win the MVP or anything like that, but he's going to finish top three. With a with the way he's playing right now, yeah, he potentially could, man. Um, and I'm just so happy for Freddie too, because he he deserves this. He stuck with this during the rebuild. You know, he could have just said "fuck it, trade me too," but he didn't. Uh, yeah, not only that, Graham,
0: thank you for that excellent point. But uh, he, he's just such a relatable guy, you know. Like uh, Veronica actually made this point the other day when she just sees Freddie and is like ridiculous haircut that makes him look like Butch from Home Alone. <laughs> uh, just smiling and goofing off in the dugout. And he, he is definitely more relatable, I feel, of like a face of the franchise than Chipper was. um, To me, to the, to the average man anyways. Would
1: you agree with that? I think the average man really, Chipper Jones was very appealing to him. He was like uh, John in an old John Wayne movie or something.
0: But Chipper also had like, he had all that... Oh,
1: controversy. All the controversy. Yeah. Pregnated Hooters, waitresses, and whatnot. Yeah. 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 Sure. So he
0: had that going.
1: Divorce. The other divorce. Yeah. He, he had a, a bit of a messy uh, personal life sure. for a while. Sure. And yeah. Freddie's like a model citizen, as far as we know.
0: Right. Just gets rides
1: on the back of four wheelers with Chipper. Yep. Um, but yeah, so happy for Freddie. Yeah. And everybody's looking good. Everybody's contributing. You're exactly right up and down the lineup. McCann. The uh, has also just been outstanding. He deserves to be, uh, I, I think, in the All Star game. Um, there was a night, the night that we came back against the Phillies when we were down seven to one, and he hit the walk off uh, double, I believe it was. I had never seen him that excited. He was screaming uh, profusely, screaming "fuck yeah," losing his mind, taking the Gatorade shower and just scream like he looked like he had just I don't know. Uh, Climbed Mount Everest or something and he was just he could not control himself to I mean like all his emotions were coming out it was like this volcanic explosion of euphoria that I've never seen from him before and I've seen him get pretty jacked about stuff whether he's angry or happy but I've never seen him that excited that was like the moment when I kind of thought to myself this feels like a championship kind of moment a championship comeback against your division rival and the old guard and Brian McCann, the former baby brave, now the elder statesman, comes in the huge hit to win the game and send a message to the Phillies that, you know, screw your money. We're here. You know, it, it, was, it was incredible.
0: And it just goes to show how underrated of a signing that was. Like, everyone wanted us to make the big trade, spend the big money, but bringing in a clubhouse guy like McCann who just loves Atlanta the way he does and, like, you can see in that passion of that moment how much he loves Atlanta – and how much this team plays for each other? Um, I mean, to get bring him in for what four million dollars? Two million dollars? $2 million? Yeah. Like, come on! And now he's—I mean, he is the top three in the NL All-Star candidate right now. It's also a lot just because the Land Braves fans are getting out and voting, right? Which is great to see.
1: Mm-hmm. But I mean, he's—he's he's been playing great. There's no denying it. Yeah. Ever since that, he's kind of cooled off a little bit over the last week or so. He's gone hitless, but he's—he's um, he's been such a huge. He's been huge this year. He's come up with time, some timely hits. Has done an excellent job navigating that pitching staff, and um, can't hit worth off left handers worth a damn. But what you're getting from Brian McCann, I think, is far has far exceeded expectations. We were kind of just hoping, you know, that he would just, you know, I was kind of thinking, not that this would be his numbers for the whole season, you know, in 280 and uh, seven homers and things like that. But I mean, I thought, you know, he's probably not going to do. That well, but he's, he's probably going to hit 15, 16 home runs, hit around this figure, and uh, give you just absolutely tremendous tremendous value for what you what, for what you paid him over, over value, if anything. And still, the combo of him and Tyler
0: Flowers are have better offensive stats overall than J.T. Real Muto. So there you have it. Same and team. we still have Austin Riley on our team, right? So. Got that going for us. right? In case you can't tell, I've got a bit of a grudge for all these uh, people that were just shitting so hard on our offseason. They wanted so much change to a team that had already won 90-plus games, um, didn't trust a general manager that's done a great job so far. Give zero credit or respect to Brian Snitker, who I wanted to talk to you about, Mm. who, when you see the dumpster fire... Uh, which I have new meaning to that term after witnessing an actual dumpster fire at the park in Southwest Atlanta playing disc golf, but that's a story for another time. Um, but the dumpster fire that is the rest of the NLs, like they could have three managers fired this this year, and uh, Dave Mar- Dave Martinez, right? Yeah,
1: uh, yeah, I think the Nationals? the National's coach. Yeah, and then Gabe Kapler and um, Callaway. Yeah, Mickey Callaway and Jason Vargas <clears> and the Mets, they're getting into some weird stuff. They're challenging a reporter. Vargas wants say, I'm going to fight you, and all this weird stuff is happening there. I mean, those really, the, the the Phillies and the Mets are definitely in disarray. The Nationals are certainly coming on a little stronger over the last month or so, but, yeah, Phillies and Mets are in total shambles right now overall. That's not to say to sleep on any of them because this is, the race is far from over. I it mean, is,
0: but it, it just goes to show the value of having a veteran guy like Snitker who – I mean, Kapler and Callaway, these are guys that just think that they know better than you 100% because of the analytics and all that, and Snitker's taking that on. He's open to saying, hey, I don't know about this. Teach me. He knows how to run a clubhouse, knows how to let leaders lead, and uh, I just still think he's not getting the full
1: credit he deserves in Atlanta. I still think uh, you can poke some holes in the way he uses the bullpen to a degree, Um, but other than that, and... I can't really say much about his in-game management that isn't, you know, not just the in-game management, but you're right. The, the effect, the stuff we don't see in terms of the stability of the clubhouse and the chemistry, all these different personalities. You got a bunch of young guys, Acuna, Albies, Swanson, Riley. You got the old guys, McCann. Uh, I hate to call Freddie an old guy, but he is an older guy now. Freddie, uh, Marcakis. And something, just an absolutely great job of keeping that chemistry going. And, doing what he can and what he has to work with. We also have to keep in mind, even though he keeps running Luke Jackson out there, and he probably shouldn't anymore. And you could make the argument, certainly, for Swarzak, But at the same time, it's kind of like he doesn't have a ton of options. Right. The, the, the front office hasn't given him that much to work with with the bullpen. And yet that bullpen has had the best ERA in baseball over the last month. So go freaking figure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's
0: true. And like the Swarzak thing, like three weeks ago, People are just shitting on that move as well. Oh, we're just giving up our trash for their trash. What are we doing? And now everyone wants
1: Swarzak to be the closer. I think Swarzak should be the closer. He's just been an absolute beast. I mean, uh, under three ERA, solid whip. Um, Over the last month, he has an ERA under one. Uh, Has not, has only given up one run. I mean, come on. I mean, so he's
0: been fantastic. He's definitely been great, but you also got to think he's been a closer before and he wasn't that great as a closer.
1: Maybe he's just more comfortable in the middle innings, innings and we obviously need something, somebody like that. That's possible. He's starting to be used in the eighth and later game situations now. And overall, um, I've, I've liked what I've seen from him. Sabatka is back up. He looked pretty good last night. Um, Sabatka was just set back down again. Oh, well, of course, Sabatka. <laughs> to, to reactivate Newcomb. I would react to reactivate Newcomb. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad that uh, Sean Newcomb's okay. Took a huge hit off the head, I believe, on Saturday night. Um, Jesus God. Yeah. I mean, I mean, literally line drive to the side of the back of the head. I mean, that could have killed him. And he just went on the went on the disabled list for a couple of days, and, or for a week, and now he's back. Had a good rehab outing, and
0: yeah, Snick says he's ready to go. Yeah, that was very fortunate that we could be having a very different conversation
1: yeah. right now. I mean, the ball literally hit off his head and ricocheted. Into, onto the, the into the damn stands on the third base side Yeah. I mean, Jesus christ yeah really fortunate about about Newcomb for sure um Fultonevich demoted uh era close to seven if not at seven he's looked horrible overall even though like even that 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 start he had on father's day against the Phillies uh really you know, went like five or six innings it was like he was still throwing pitches six seven eight feet off the plate and it was like Jesus Christ, man. He got no control at all. He's regressed with his emotions completely. Um, The slider looks a little better, but he's just still... He's leaving his fastball up. There's not a lot of movement on it. There's still... I think there's something wrong mentally with him, um, from what I can tell. And maybe that those elbow spurs are still affecting him as well, but it was probably for the best that he was sitting down.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's definitely going to be a good thing for him, and I feel like he's probably a little bit relieved. Um, He said... uh, Kind of like this quote about how just disappointed he was in himself that he's on a first-place team and has a 7 ERA. And Snicker was even pretty open about um, just his emotions and how he's got to get that in check. Um, so let him go to
1: AAA for like a solid month or so and just get it right because yeah. something's, something's off. The crazy thing about this is is that three, uh, two-fifths of a rotation – Guys that were pretty critical to us last season and our success, Gosman and Fulty, have sucked this year. And yet we're 15 games, 14 games over 500 in first place. Yeah. And it just goes to show how great the offense is and how um, other guys have, have stepped up in their place, such as Max Fried and Mike Soroka, um, sort of counterbalance how bad Gosman and folty has been. Those guys have been really, really good. So, um, but still, yeah. I, I mean, I think this is a really interesting team overall. I'm. Um, I still think we need to make a move for a, for a defined closer, uh, Shane Green, uh, Will Smith, somebody like that that's out there. I'd make a move for both of those guys. Get two, give me two bona fide shutdown guys from teams that are already out of contention. And if you do that, and maybe a and maybe one more starter, bring on the Dodgers. But I think we need those those three pieces if we're going to even have a chance of saying that without even with the success we're having right now. Sounds like at this point they they are more
0: concerned with their rotation than the bullpen though. It's one of those things that keeps flip flopping now because the bullpen has kind of stabilized. Minus who's going to get the last three outs, right? Um, it's the last report I heard, which who the hell knows about those things anymore, but they are, they are more
1: concerned about finding a starter right now. Yeah, I would. I mean given where the rotation is, I would agree, especially when you're demotion of fulton it's like, who's the fifth guy now? Right? Is there... Um, I'm not sure who's going to start Fulty's place. Um, Kyle, Kyle Wright's been called up. but right. I think he's more of a long-relief
0: guy. Yeah. Uh, Bryce Wilson is set up to pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, and Snicker, he's been
1: throwing well. Snickers said Newcomb's going back to the bullpen. Yes. So he's not going to get another spot to start. Which... I'm fine with that. I'm okay with that, considering how well Newcomb's pitched out of the pen. So, um, I mean, our pen really has gotten so much better. Like It is better. How about a little love for your boy Josh Tomlin? He pitched his ass off the other night when uh, Soroka got hit in the in the arm. Uh, look, Tomlin goes four or five innings, uh, really Perfect. holds it together. And he was doing a better job locating. Like, if he locates, even though he doesn't have a lot of velocity, he does a pretty decent job. It's just, can he locate his pitches? That's, that's the big thing. I mean, he's been fantastic over the last month and a half or so. But him and then Tukey's still been a little up and down, but overall, solid option to have out there. Tukey's giving you what you need, um, particularly when the games are kind of out of reach. Like, even though I know the game last night was a little... Uh, even though I know at, at that point when he was pitching last night, the game was kind of out of reach. There's still valuable innings that need to be eaten up that you don't want to put one of your... More uh, what's where I'm looking for? One of your one of the pitchers that you need to rely on in sort of more clutch situations, like too, he can eat up those innings, which is good. And yeah, you're right. I mean, Tomlin has been has been really good over the last month, and uh, hopefully that continues. But we've all seen when he hasn't been good. I mean, his May was awful, and yet his, his his June has been outstanding. So we'll you know we'll see. And that's that's kind of like where my my trepidation comes in terms of uh, saying, oh, our, even though our bullpen's kind of stable right now. I think we know how volatile it can be. We've seen these guys uh, up and down get, get roughed up at various points in, in, the, in the course of the season and, and, and before that. So I would just like, to, if we can somehow swing a move for at least one more big-time guy, I'm going to feel a lot better heading into the dog days and hopefully into the postseason.
0: No, I, I agree. If, if we could add a, a proven closer, I'd, I'd be very content.
1: Um, who's, on your, uh, who's on your starter trade list right now? You want uh, Bumgarner? I, I don't really want Bumgarner. I think he's kind of pitched like shit. But at the same time, we've seen guys who have been on bad teams like a Madison Bumgarner. Think of Cole Hamels last year. He was on the Rangers. He was awful. Comes to the Cubs. Does really well. And has and it's been outstanding this season. So, change of scenery can be what he needs. Verlander is the same way. Verlander was, was str- struggling a little bit in Detroit. Then he goes to Houston and helps him win a championship. So, it's like... I would be willing to, based on his track record, and if he's healthy, make a run at Bumgarner because he's really got nothing to pitch for right now. His team is trash. Um, he's not even thirty; he can still go out there and, and and do the damn thing. He knows what it takes to win the championship. He's won three for Christ's sake, and it's been a huge piece for all all three of those. So I do love like just the bulldog
0: mentality that that guy has. Yeah, like him yelling at uh, the guy for <laughs> hitting the home run the other day, and just. He's never scared to get in someone's face, yeah. which, you
1: know, the real Brian McCann type. Right. He has been awful, admittedly, over the last <laughs> uh, over the last month. But um, I'd still be willing to look and into that. And look at his numbers versus the Dodgers. He's,
0: like, over his, like, postseason career as well, he's been horrendous against them. Mm-hmm. And if you're getting him, you're getting him to beat the Dodgers. But that's just not something he does. Right. Mike
1: Miner I'd be interested in. That is a guy. That is a guy I would love to make a run for. Mike Miner's completely revitalized his career. His velocity is up. He's doing well pitching in the ballpark in Arlington, which has notoriously been a hitter's ballpark uh, And over the course of its lifetime. He's on a bad team, and he's been one of the best pitchers Although they're in They're kind of hanging around, though. That's the problem. Yeah, they're not fully out of it but I don't but think they're a lot
0: better than they thought they were going to be yeah minors Miner's probably a big reason for that yeah
1: he's just been great man he, I mean he's going to be in the damn Cy Young conversation the way he's pitching 2-5-2 uh, two, two ERA outstanding uh, walk, walks hits per innings pitched um, he's been the real deal the whole season and his June uh, has arguably, arguably been his, his best month um, he's only getting stronger as, it's, as, as the season's gone along so if Texas can fall out of it, which may happen, may not happen, but if they do, Mike Myers is going to be a guy I'm targeting.
0: That's a guy I'm more interested in than. And I think he still has another. What's his contract like? I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure he's still got at least another year. He's on not that making Bumgarner dollars. From no, that. I think he'd be a little cheaper because, I mean, Bum Garner's like he's the face of the Giants. They're not going to. Even if his value... They're going to overvalue him, basically, yeah. is what I'm saying. Yeah. Versus Mike Miner's a guy that they weren't
1: expecting the, to get this much out of him. It's just found money at this point for Texas. Right. You're still going to have to probably give up, you know, a decent amount for Miner considering the season he's having. But you're right. The historical value of Bumgarner, the championships he's brought to San Francisco, that that goes a long way. Um, but yeah, Texas is actually a hell of a lot better than I thought they were. They're damn six games over 500. I didn't realize that. So... Maybe that's wishful thinking. Yep. But if they do fall out of it, that's got to be a guy you go after.
0: And I mean, the trade, I mean, it's still got a couple months till the trade market is fully clear. So. Oh, yeah, right. With the, the second, the waiver, the yeah. waiver trade deadline, yeah. And just like no one's going to, I mean, it's too early. And Anthopolis was saying that on the radio. It's just way too early. No one's going to be
1: looking to. Totally sell right now. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be more heavy NL East action coming up after this series concludes with Chicago on Thursday. We go to the Mets, then a home series versus the Phillies, and a home series versus the Marlins before the All-Star break. So these last uh, last four series, including the Cubs, are pretty critical. One, because you're measuring up against Chicago. It's a probable playoff team right now, so you got to see how you're looking against them at this current moment and then take care of business against the Mets, the Phillies, and uh, Miami. And if you're able to at least win three or of four of those series, three out of four of those series, you're looking great heading into the All-Star break. Hell, even if you split them, you're looking good. But, I mean, with the way this team's playing right now, the offensive output, i got to think that we're going to continue to kick ass. Um, we, are, we are probably going to come back down to earth. We're probably not going to score, you know, like that one homestand uh, where Donaldson took off. I think we scored, like, 90 runs or some, something insane like that. Uh, probably not going to do that for the rest of the year, but... The offense, is, the offense is humming, and they're good enough to put up... They're, they're going to be a top-five offense for the rest of the season. There's, there's been nothing I've seen that tells me any different right now.
0: It's going to be so interesting, still roster-wise, to see what's going to happen once Ender eventually does come back. Will Snickers loyalty... I think I think Snickers loyalty will be tested. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind having him as a defensive replacement in the outfield, because... I mean, Acuna is basically our only center fielder. I think think we've discussed this before on the podcast. He's our only center fielder. I think he's played every single game (laughs) since, like, the beginning of May. He's going to need some days off. And, I mean, you can throw Charlie Coberson out there, but... I don't want Charlie Coberson in the center. Exactly. At the same time, who else do you put out there? Exactly. I mean, right now, you don't have anyone you can put out there. That's so I, I like Ender as, like, the defensive guy still. I think he's still got value in that glove. But sure. there's right. no one you can uh, – like, Matt Joyce has been an amazing pinch hitter. Yeah. Colberson is Culberson. Yeah, he's clutch as hell. And Camargo. Like, we have three really great bench guys. Yeah, and it's kind of like
1: who do you clear out for in if that's your plan. Like, like, back
0: in the day, you would carry, like, four bench guys, but you just don't see that anymore. No, we have four
1: bench guys. That oh, would, the, catcher. the catcher.
0: yeah. Right. But you might have another utility guy and one less arm in the pen. But right. with the way starters go, four and two thirds innings constantly, right? You can't do that. Yeah. So uh, that'll be something interesting to watch. But you're right. <laughs> that'll that'll test uh, Olsonitz loyalty. Yeah. But who? Yeah.
1: Who would you Who would you ask if you bring that? Back in Sierra. I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, the guy that hasn't been as uh, valuable this year has been Camargo, but his versatility is excellent. Um, and he has proven that he's been a better pinch hitter as of late when he has gotten opportunities. And I think one reason Snicker doesn't use him that much is because he views Camargo as the ultimate insurance policy. That if someone does go down, i got a guy that can play every day, that knows what it takes, Well, and uh, I want to save him in case something like that happens.
0: Well, stint had a line where he said uh, recently, and I, I kind of appreciate his honesty he's been coming out with recently, he's like, look, we we thought that we were going to be able to get him a lot more at-bats, but we didn't. He just said straight up, we didn't realize that we have an everyday lineup. Yeah. Like, plugging in Austin Riley, like, that's your everyday lineup. There's, there's not going to be changes
1: to it. Um, so things have
0: changed since
1: April. Yeah. I was expecting Camargo to get, like, 400 at-bats. Yeah. Just because he would you know, sub in at least two times a week for somebody, if not more. But, um, I mean, everyone's clicking right now.
0: What what are you going to do? Right. You got A guy on 680 The Fan made a really good point about the difference in Snitker this year and Snitker last year. They said he seems like he he values every win a lot more. Like, he's going after every win now. Mm. And that means start putting your best lineup out there. And um, you can... Tell he's giving people the quick hook if they just don't have it.
1: So right, I think the expectations are a lot different this year. I think even when we were we were uh, making our run last year, it was kind of like, oh, this is nice little unexpected season with you know having shades of like the '91 uh, worst to first team, not as dramatic, but you know we didn't expect in any respect that we would be in the position we were last year. Now this year, things have changed. Um, expectations are a lot different. The team is much better. Uh, it's more sound all around, I'd say. And, uh, yeah, so that's great that he's been able to make that adjustment. I mean, he, he also sounds a hell of a lot more confident in in press conferences. His candor, as you mentioned, is, uh, much appreciated. And I've, I've become more of a snicker fan this year. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think he, overall he's doing a really, really good job with, with handling this team. Not much more to be said about that. Nope. Fun to watch. Yeah. Um, Draft time? Draft breakdown for your Atlanta Hawks? Yes. Let's do it, Graham. Let's talk about it.
0: Well, for, first we, we should discuss, because I know how much you care about uh,
1: awards. Yes. Yeah, the NBA awards show we was love, last night. We love subjective awards. They mean so much and are really a true representation of someone's value. And unfortunately, Trey Young did not win the Rookie of the Year. God, what a
0: fucking bust he is. Despite... Being uh, second in the league in 30 point games and 10 assist games, he had 10 of those this past year, only behind James Harden. And out of all rookies, the other rookies had one combined.
1: But Trey Young doesn't get the award. I think. Because he's a bust, Graham. Right, he's a total bust. I mean, what the hell did he do last year? I mean. Travis is clearly the worst general manager in the National Basketball Association. He should be fired immediately. Yep. And um, that John, on John Collins was just total luck. I mean, you don't give up a guy like Luka Doncic when you uh, for for some some undersized poor defensive guy like like Trey Young. I mean, it's just absurd. Anyway, bullshit. I don't <laughs> care. Trey Young's a beast. Luka's a beast. I think both teams got what they needed. And no one should give a shit about this rookie of the year.
0: The only thing I'll say about that, if anything, I think it's a good thing for us. Because Trey plays with a chip on his shoulder already. Yeah. This is just going to be uh, a little even larger kink now.
1: Yeah. We've no. gone from a chip sure. to a kink. Yeah, it can add some extra motivation. Right. And he also, I mean, I think he realizes this, that he deserves, you know, he was saying a lot of stuff at the beginning of the season about how, you know, I want to be better than Luca and all this stuff. and um the expectations for being here, and he hadn't done anything yet. So it's kind of like, still your role. Yeah. Have some humility. But at the same time, he went out and proved it. He talked the talk and proved that, you know, especially at the turn of the of 2019, that he was a force to be reckoned with and that he was going to be the guy you can build around, and he's, he was worth the move. So anyone who's up in arms about him losing a shitty, subjective Rookie of the Year award to... Luka Doncic, I mean, don't worry about it. It doesn't mean anything in the long run. I'm sure you just ease someone's nerves, Graham. Yeah. I mean, just, does it really matter? No. Does uh, that make Trey any worse or better? No. Does it make Luke any worse or better? No. Does it make whoever won the MVP award? I don't know. who won it. Was it Giannis? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Great. We all know he's a good player. Great player. Didn't win the playoffs. Didn't win the playoffs. So, there you have it. Yeah. Uh, but you want to break down this draft? Yes. Let's talk about the draft. Uh your boy Travis Schlenk made big moves, traded, uh, traded up to number four pick with Los Pelicans.
0: Well, there's so many. Like, I just love how Schlenk works. It's like, look, we end up at eight and ten, not what we wanted to do. And he just finagled his way back up into the top ten. He made that Torian um, Torian Prince trade They mm-hmm. got the number 17 pick. And because we had the 17 pick, uh, along with the eight and ten, he was able to get back into the top five with the Pelicans and get the number four overall pick in DeAndre Hunter, and it was also just amazing that he. So he ended up trading the eight and seventeen to get up there. So we still had our number ten pick, which was um, from the Mavericks. Which, so, and you know that they wanted eight and ten and not eight and seventeen,
1: but he made it happen. Yeah, and I really like DeAndre Hunter a lot. Let's talk about that first pick. So we took DeAndre Hunter number four, guy from Virginia. I've watched him since I'm. ACC UNC fan, um, he's a very solid player. He may not have the highest ceiling in the world, but he is going to be consistent. He's going to give you fifteen or sixteen points a night. He's going to play great defense, and I think one of the reasons that we, we picked him was not only just because he's solid as hell, but because he is a shutdown defender. He just in the t- national championship game, he destroyed Jared Culver, held him five of twenty two shooting, who was arguably the best offensive player in the nation last year. Not only that he went and scored 27 points and picked up nine rebounds to help Virginia win the championship. And right. I would also say he was the reason that Virginia lost to UMBC the year before in the tournament because he had broken his wrist and was out. He didn't even play in that game. And at that point he was like sort of their sixth man. Then he became the stud. So he's really um, transitioned to being an absolute, uh, I wouldn't say like total beast, but a consistent player who has plenty of room to grow at only age like 20 or 21. I think he's only 20. Um, I really liked this move. I thought with who you had on the board, he was probably the best player left. A lot of people are, are kind of saying, uh, you know, he's never going to be some sort of explosive uh, Paul George kind of player, wing player, but he's he does fit the prototypical three and D. He's a good three-point shooter. And um, like I said, the Hawks, as, as prolific as they were on offense last year, they were a terrible defensive team. We know Lloyd Pierce in this background in Philly loves to uh, – you know, a very defensive minded coach, but he didn't really have the personnel to um, you know, fully realize his vision, execute it. I think DeAndre Hunter was the first step and getting a shutdown defender who can really bolster defensive prospects of this team. And I really like the, the pick for the aforementioned
0: reasons. Nice. Uh, yeah, the, the the thing I kept hearing was that DeAndre Hunter has the highest floor in the draft.
1: Yeah. He's not a bust. He's not gonna be a bust at all. He's gonna be a solid player. Yeah.
0: Which which is huge. I mean, pair him up on the wing with Herter out there, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, hopefully he he can pick up some of the defensive slack from Trey Young. And yeah, you gotta love the pick. I mean, we weren't gonna get a player like this at eight and ten. Um, so for the Schlink to do what the Schlink does and get his man, the Hawks were the only team that DeAndre Hunter even worked out with, which was pretty interesting considering. We weren't anywhere close to range to draft him at the time. So he wanted to come here and we wanted him. Yeah, and made
1: it happen. Yeah, it's an uh, outstanding move. Um, once again, you just got to bow down to Travis Schlank. And he took a gamble for the number 10 pick. They wanted Cam Reddish, and Reddish fell to number 10, and they selected him there. Um, uh, Duke player averaged a little over 13 points a game, was hyped up to be an absolute monster didn't really show that as much last year, even though he had flashes. I know every time he played Carolina, he dropped like 20 plus points and was a, was a maniac. Um, but here's a guy who, even though he struggled offensively, it was spotty. And some people questioned his heart a little bit. Um, he sat out with some injuries at, at some key times. And I think he was held out of Duke's last game or something like that. But anyway, um, what I'm impressed with, with Cam Reddish is once again, the defense, he is an outstanding defensive player. Um, He still needs to work on his three-point shooting and his offensive ability, but his defense is outstanding, and he's going to bring that again. And once again, this also adds to Lloyd Pierce's mantra of wanting to have a a defensive-minded team that can also shoot the three-pointer. This is going to help that. I don't expect Reddish to get as much playing time as Hunter initially, but he is going to be a very key component. And if we can unlock his offensive potential, which there is a lot of, he could be an absolute fucking beast. He could be... A 25, 26, 30 point a game guy, if we figure out how to unlock his offensive potential, because it's there. And I've seen it because there was a game against Florida State in January where Zion goes down and he's out of the game. He has an eye injury or something. And so RJ Barrett and Cam Reddish have to step up. And so from there, uh, Reddish goes on to drop like 25 points or something like that. He makes the game winning shot against Florida State. So that proved to me in that moment. This is a guy who's going, and it was at Florida State in this very hostile environment. He goes in there, steps up, takes a big shot, wins the game at the buzzer. That showed me everything I needed to know about Cam Reddish and what he could be. And he had moments all season. It was just like he never could quite put it together offensively. But I like the pick. Yeah, I mean, I, on the other side of Hunter, they said this
0: guy potentially has the highest ceiling in the draft. Um, and that's a draft that includes Zion Williamson. So you just never know what you're going to get. And I also love this pick. I think everyone loved this pick. They showed the video from uh, the people watching down at State Farm Arena, and mm-hmm. they lost their mind. Uh, we lost our mind. We were like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just so exciting. Um, so, you know, the, now the Trey Young trade is official, that it's Trey Young and Cam Reddish for Luka Doncic. So now that you actually have a name and a face to put with uh, instead of that, that future first round pick I mean the potential of that deal for us and the future of our franchise is just phenomenal oh yeah it's huge absolutely huge and that's not
1: all we got Graham no we got um, one more guy Bruno Fernando who I have no experience watching at all because I don't really watch Big Ten basketball that much Maryland's
0: in the Big Ten now
1: yes they oh, moved wow. down the ACC about seven or eight years ago. Oh. <laughs> um, so this is a guy, from what I've heard, is uh, he, he's huge. He's six ten, very athletic. Like Two forty something. Yeah, like that. he's kind of reminds me of he's like forty pound uh, 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 under. He's a forty pounds lighter version of Zion. Not really. He's not as good as Zion, but he does okay. kind of have that body, right? That very thick, athletic body. Uh, very tall guy who, who played some really good defense from what I heard and uh, is very athletic, big alley-oop guy, so I think he could sync up very well with... Yeah, I'm pretty sure we Freyung. have a point guard that can throw alley-oops. Freyung. And he even jumps with them as he throws the alley-oop and helps them uh, emotionally Nice finish. So I think, you know, I don't mind this pick. Um, we need more depth at the center position, particularly with, uh, you know, you don't know how long Lynn is going to be here, Alex Lynn, or um, who's the other guy I'm just... Uh, deadman, deadman, yeah. Um, we know we haven't officially re signed him yet. Yeah, we know Plumlee is not going to play really, but you know, uh, this is a guy in Fernando that probably needs some seasoning. You could see him a lot in College Park with that new G League team. I would go watch Bruno Fernando down there, yeah. And I mean, I think it might be a nice, a nice play. This is also another defensive minded guy who I think averaged like a little under two blocks a game. So, uh, once again. This is a very defensive-heavy draft, and it's sending them uh, a great message that we're going to balance out this sort of three-point barrage and and, uh, and run-and-gun-and-attitude that we have with being able to add some guys who are a little more um, attuned to playing playing defense. So I I liked it. I don't know what's going to happen there. I don't really have any expectations, because I've never seen him. But from what I've read... He's not our focus. No, he's not our focus. Reddish and Hunter are obviously the focus, and... I think that we're setting ourselves up for um, great things in 2020. We might be able to make the playoffs this year. There's no reason to think that we can't win 12 more games this year. I mean, you think about who won the division last year was Orlando. They were like a couple games over 500, so why why can't we make that? And they only won like 43 games or something like that. So it's like, we won 29 last year. There's no reason this team can't win the next 40 games. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean,
0: so let's look at our core we got now. We got Trey Young, Mm. John Collins, Kevin Herter, Mm -hmm. uh, Cam Reddish. DeAndre Hunter. DeAndre Hunter. And then you still have Omari Spellman, who could be a guy that could turn around this year if he gets healthy. You never
1: know. You got this Bruno Fernando guy. um, Mm. You got Evan Turner. Who we just uh, I wouldn't consider him part of your core long term. No, but the the Kent Bazemore era is officially over. Yeah, the last player from the 2014 2015 team is gone. Yeah, um, traded him for Evan Turner. Evan Turner's probably going to be a backup point guard. You don't expect much from him. He was the number two pick in 2010 draft. Who is kind of just fallen from grace. He's not terrible. He's a serviceable player, but he's he's no stud. He's not going to do much for you. But he'll be a decent backup for for Trey and. Just goes to show you, just because you're drafted high doesn't mean you're going to do shit. Nope. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Draymond Green is a beast, and he's you know, he's the 38th pick or Second. something like that.
0: So, I mean, I, I, I see at least seven young guys there with potential to be solid players. Two of them, two or three of them, maybe a lot more than solid. Right. I would say John Collins and Dre Young, we already can see them as stars, Yeah, uh, without a doubt. And then you have all these expired, like, Four
1: expiring contracts so coming up. so many contracts it, it, coming off the books
0: it gives us room to add two max player
1: uh, deals next yeah, year Alan, to pair up with all of them Alan Crabb comes off Solomon Hill comes off um, Evan Turner comes off it's probably someone else and Plumley Plumlee, Plumlee comes, comes yeah. off who's beaten well overpaid for doing nothing so you're exactly right if we can this is a very critical year in the sense that if we have a good season we can get the Get, it, get in the playoffs. I'm not even going to put a seed on it because I don't, I, don't, I don't care. You get in the playoffs in any respect and you show that you have a lot of room to grow with the superstar emerging, that is Trey Young. You have the potential to attract uh, maybe not one but two big players that could come in and really add um, the, the it factor to this franchise that we haven't had since Dominique Wilkins. I mean, it's very, very possible that we could have maybe a new big three next year. You never know. But this, but we won't ever have a chance to get there if we have a shitty season this year. We have to show out. We need to make the playoffs. We don't need to be trying to lose. Not that we ever did try to lose. We won more than we should have last year. But this is a huge credit. This might be the, the biggest season in the history of the Hawks uh, franchise because this could we've never had a core like this so young and so talented to me can you think of like a core where you were like, Man, this team has a chance to one day maybe win a championship if if we get the right pieces.
0: No, not not so much and <clears throat> I it's to the point I mean, there's not really any <clears throat> superstars out there next year though. That's the problem. They're it's kinda like lesser tier players mm-hmm. but you think about the Golden State when they had a similar young core to this and they were just barely making the playoffs, they didn't immediately sign <clears throat> Kevin Durant before winning the championship, they signed Andre Iguodala. Right. So, player more like that, which there are multiple names out there that um, fit that. The uh, dude who played in Toronto that was traded for Kawhi. um, Uh, DeRozan. DeRozan, yes. Uh, DeMar DeRozan's out there. So, uh, think of second tier, maybe, but still could just be that veteran piece that this team
1: needs. Yeah, yeah. And it's not to say that, oh... 2020, you win an NBA title or anything like that, but it does open you up for to expand your team through free agency and attract someone who could really help. And maybe you're right; it probably isn't going to be some, you know, KD type, but it um, could be someone that could push you over the edge. You never know. And this team's ceiling is so high, and they haven't even gone on, gotten under the foundation of the house yet. They're they're still scrounging around underground. They they haven't even. We haven't even seen what they're capable of. That's really exciting. And i tell you what, the Schlenk needs to
0: become an author because he has written the book for how to rebuild a franchise.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, it's it's beautiful. Like, once I saw the thing with, I mean, the core we have, but then I saw all those expiring contracts coming off the books at the same time. I was like, oh, good Lord, man. Yeah. <laughs> you are something else, Schlenk. Right.
1: Yeah, and that sets us up not only to <laughs> go after guys next year. It sets us up for 2021. I don't know what free agent class is like then, But not – like so many NBA teams have this issue where they sign all these guys uh, to bad deals and then they can't get rid of them and they're stuck. And we are not in that position at all. We either have expiring contracts or we have super young talent that is evolving hopefully into some stuff. And we're going to have money to
0: re-up those guys at a reasonable time. Yes. uh, To lock John and Trey up and then get – at least one big piece, but it's right. it, it's awesome to watch yeah. it come together. And they were talking about it on the radio today, and I was like, "Damn, NBA doesn't
1: start till like October." Mm-hmm. I'm ready for it though. Well, we're gonna have uh, free agency soon. We're gonna have summer league. There'll be there'll be some more. I, I imagine Schlink is not not done uh, making moves and doing things to improve the basketball club. I mean,
0: really, all bring back Deadman and bring back Carter, and I'm happy. Oh, Vince, Vince Carter. And yeah, I
1: like to see if Vince could come back. But give us one more year of Brent Vince we shall see we shall see let him work with Cam Reddish so. yeah that would be good I think for him to learn from Vince would be in, uh, invaluable Yep. nothing going on with the Falcons that we know of and uh, United's been off for two weeks kind of like us and we haven't talked about them in about two and a half months something like that we'll just keep pushing that one yeah I think that concludes today's episode of Atlanta Zone, Adam it's we got a lot off our chest there. We did. We had a lot. I feel like this has just been building up forever. Yeah, it's like a therapy session. I feel yeah. exhausted. Yeah. It uh, feels good, though, Graham. feels good. Yeah. Well, everyone, thank you out there for listening. However, and whenever you listen to this episode, uh, we'll see you next week, I assume, unless you uh, get into some more disc golf uh, mishaps. You never know, Graham. never know. You never know. Well, until next time, rise up, chop on, stand Brotherhood, unite and conquer, or remain true. Atlanta, so,